If you were raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. St. Paul, writing to the Colossians well after the resurrection, urges them to keep the resurrection in mind. You have been raised with Christ, who's conquered death, who has ascended to heaven, and who promises to those who are buried with him in baptism that they too shall rise on the last day. And so think of what is above, he urges them. You are no longer merely earthly creatures. And we have an example of earthly thinking in our first reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. You can pick what funny name you want. Ecclesiastes is another name for Koheleth. Neither one of them make a lot of sense. Think of him as a preacher, a teacher, one who just speaks and sounds good when he speaks. We want to listen to him. And yet, today's passage is a little depressing. And in fact, as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the whole thing can seem a little depressing in the same way that the book of Job can sometimes seem a little depressing. Vanities of vanities, says Koheleth. Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. It's all worthless. Oh, that's a little depressing. Perhaps you felt that way. Things aren't going the right way for you at work or at school. You find yourself frustrated. You don't seem to be getting anywhere. You're putting in a lot of work, a lot of work, but nothing's turning out the way it's supposed to. And you just sort of want to, I don't know, flip the table, clear the desk. Vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. It's all a breath in the wind. That's the root of the word vanity. It's just a breath in the wind. No one even cares. All his days are sorrow and grief is his occupation. Even at night his mind is not at rest. This also is vanity. Koheleth's pretty pressing dude. Koheleth isn't wrong though. Because Koheleth is speaking from a place of the world. And perhaps through no fault of his own. When you read the entirety of the book of Koheleth, he says it's really all vanity because in the end we're all going to end up in Sheol, in the place of the shadows. This is such an ancient text. It dates back before even our ancestors had a concept of life with God in paradise. Sheol, Hades, the underworld... This world of shadows, that's not heaven. It's not paradise. And sometimes we, who know Christ has risen from the dead, who speak so freely about life with God in paradise for eternity, can forget that this was not always on the table. This was not always an option. That Jesus came and unlocked the gates to heaven. And as Time came closer to the time of Jesus, we began to have hope of heaven. But before that, this earth was all there was. 
So it's almost as if Koheleth is speaking from a place where he knows God. He knows God as his origin, God as his creator, God as his source and beginning. But he doesn't know heaven as his end. He doesn't know life with God for all eternity as the goal. And so without that, if there's no resurrection... If there's no life after death, if there is only mere existence in some type of shadow world, then everything is of the earth. This is all there is. And when this is all there is, who cares? Vanity of vanities. If this is all there is, all our days are sorrow, griefs are occupation. Even at night, our mind cannot rest, and it's all a breath. This is why St. Paul exhorts the Colossians, don't think like that. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. You know some good news. Think of heaven. We also see this at play in the gospel today. We have the parable of the rich man who is concerned with amassing wealth on earth. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. And Jesus again points out the futility of this way of thinking. If you're only concerned with amassing wealth on this earth, you're never going to have enough of it. You might need to build bigger barns, but those won't be enough either. And you'll have to be able to build bigger ones and bigger ones. And from an earthly point of view, that might look like success. And yet, it's all vanity. Vanity of vanities. A breath in the wind. Because it can all be taken from you in a second. You fool. God says to the rich man in the parable, this night your life will be demanded of you and the things you've prepared, to whom will they belong? Because your heart was in the things of this earth. Your whole goal, your whole mindset was of earthly success and earthly wealth. Living a comfortable life. Living a successful life. But that could be gone in the blink of an eye and then what will you be left with? Thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. He's calling us to live in this world, but with our eyes fixed on heaven. And we need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. It's something that this parable begins with Jesus interacting so the parable is, it's a story. That's fiction, which tells a truth, right? But the part that really happens, the real dude in the, care, in the story, is someone in the crowd who comes and says, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus says to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbiter? Jesus says, I'm not going to bother with that. You're asking me the wrong thing. That's kind of a strange thing, right? Because God is a just God. 
Shouldn't Jesus be concerned about justice if this man was really due something that he wasn't getting? Or if he was trying to steal something that wasn't his, get more than he deserved? Shouldn't be, Jesus be concerned about justice? And Jesus sort of rebuffs him. Says, I'm not dealing with that. Jesus also knows this man's heart. And he reveals a little bit of that too. He says to the crowd, take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. And here's the thing. Jesus, I hope lightning doesn't strike when I say this. Jesus did not come to solve our every problem. He didn't. As evidenced right here, this man has a problem. He goes to Jesus. Jesus does not solve it for him. The mission of Jesus is not to solve our every problem. The mission of Jesus is not to cure our every ill. The mission of Jesus is not to right every wrong on this earth. In the end, there shall be justice. In the end, every wrong shall be made right. In the end, every illness will be healed. But that's the goal, is the end. That's the goal, is heaven. Have you ever thought about that? Why does Jesus do the things he does? But more importantly, why does he not do the things he doesn't do? Jesus didn't heal every illness. He healed some people miraculously. He didn't do that for everyone, though. Because health was not his ultimate goal. Jesus Jesus reconciles people who have been hurting who have been divided, who have been outcast from society. But he doesn't do it for everybody. Not everybody. Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000. Multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He did that twice. He didn't feed every hungry person. Why did Jesus not do all of those things? Why did he feed the 5,000, not the 5 million? Why did he heal this leper and not that leper? Why did he say to the one man at the pool of Bethesda that he could rise, take up his mat, and walk, but all the other people laying beside the pool, did he say anything to them? I'm not sure. And here's someone who Jesus says, that's not what I'm here to do. Because Jesus' goal is not of this earth. It doesn't mean that this earth is not important. Because see, sometimes we go to the opposite extreme. And we say, well, Jesus doesn't care about anything. And health is unimportant, and poverty is unimportant, and justice is unimportant. No, no, no. Let's not be silly about it. But Jesus is focused on his goal. He has a mission. And that mission is salvation. That mission is to get us to heaven. 
That mission is not to solve every problem in a temporary world where all things will eventually pass, where all things are vanity, but to get us to eternity, to get us to a heaven where there is no more injustice, where there are no more illnesses. Jesus' goal is always heaven. And when our goal is not heaven, when we have a different goal than Jesus, we find ourselves either in the place of Koheleth, where we are just frustrated and depressed and pessimistic about everything. Thinking too much about this world, too much about it, makes you hate it. And God doesn't want that. He gave us this life. It's good. Or we end up like the fool who has tons of treasure and tons of earthly happiness. I've got more stuff than I know what to do with. But in the end, we still wind up sad because we're not rich in the things that matter to heaven. Jesus has as his one goal heaven. Paul urges the Colossians, think of what is above. You'll enjoy this life more if you think about the life to come. You'll find purpose and meaning even amidst suffering and drudgery. If you focus on Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Tomorrow's the feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And so it's an opportune time for me to read you something from him that I've read before, but I've not read it enough. There are some things worth repeating. And this is how I know I haven't read it enough. Because I still have to read it. <laughs> so if I still have to read it, if I haven't let it sink deeply into my heart, I sure know I haven't told you about it enough. So here's how St. Ignatius of Loyola might encapsulate the message of today's scripture readings in his first principle and foundation. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God, our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. The other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him in attaining the end for which he is created. Hence, man is to make use of them insofar as they help him in the attainment of his end, and he must rid himself of them as far as they prove a hindrance to that end. Therefore, we must make ourselves indifferent to all created things as far as we are allowed free choice and are not under any prohibition. Consequently, as far as we're concerned, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, a long life to a short life, and the same holds for all other things. Our one desire and choice should be what is more conducive to the end for which we are created. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. Jesus has as his one mission salvation of souls and eternal life. And everything on this earth 
is given to us to help us to that end. This is what it means to think of what is above, not as of what is of earth. When we have heaven in mind, when we realize that we have been raised with Christ and we respond to St. Paul's call to seek what is above, then we find the meaning, the purpose, the value, and the goodness of this life. When you find yourself being frustrated or depressed like Koheleth, when you find yourself being so wrapped up in worldly success, respond to that little prompting of the Holy Spirit that for sure is tugging on your heart. To stop thinking of what is on earth and to remember what is above. If you were raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not as of what is on earth. And when Christ, your life, appears, then you too will appear with him in glory.